Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. I first read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad back in 2006 on a train ride from Rome to Florence. It was the first time I picked up any of Robert Kiyosaki's books, although I had known about his book for years. I believe that's when I first learned that my home was not an asset, or at least not according to Kiyosaki. He made me realize that it was taking cash out of my pocket and not putting any cash in it, as were my rental properties. Well, I finally met Robert and his wife Kim about a year ago or so, as we spent a week together on a cruise in the Caribbean where I was able to understand him a little better and share ideas about money, investing, and personal development. One thing that was clear to me is that Robert is a lifelong student, and he humbles himself knowing that he is not the smartest guy in the room. He reads daily, and his books have more post-it notes and written comments in the margins than any other book I've ever seen. True to my first rule of my 10 rules of successful real estate investing, Robert makes learning and knowledge a priority, and he is always educating himself. One other thing we both share is the desire to educate and inspire other investors to learn and to put into practice that which they learn. It's only when you turn your knowledge into action that you find yourself truly growing and becoming a better version of yourself. So today I have a treat for you. I've asked Robert to come on the show and share some of his time and wisdom with you, which I appreciate given he has a crazy schedule. He travels a lot, and as do I, but it's hard to pin Robert down. And real quick, before we get to the interview with Robert, I just want to thank all of you for the great reviews you post on iTunes. I do read them, and I wish I could share all of them with you, but one really stuck out to me the other day, and I, I just want to read it to you. This person said, I've been listening to your podcast for about a couple of months now, and I've learned more in that time than I have listening and reading for the past six months. It's the total package of info that enhances my motivation and appetite for more exposure to your knowledge. Thanks for all you do. Well, thank you for subscribing and listening to me yak on and on about something I believe in. <laughs> so just a reminder for those of you who haven't subscribed, it's just a finger tap or a mouse click to do so. And I would appreciate it very much. So remember to subscribe to the show. Lastly, remember to download your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing. Simply visit our website and click the link. It is my great pleasure to welcome Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the number one personal finance book of all time. Robert has challenged and changed the way tens of millions of people around the world think about money. He is an entrepreneur, an educator, and investor who believes that each of us has the power to make changes in our lives, take control of our financial future, and live the rich life we deserve. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thank you, Marco. Thank you. It's a real honor and a treat to have you on the show. I think it's long overdue having done this show for three and a half years. I've had pretty much every rich dad advisor on, but you're the last, and I guess I'm saving the best for last. That's right. You are. You are. <laughs> Well, great. So I'm going to start off with just a really easy question. And it's really more out of my own curiosity because I've come to learn a lot about you and your teachings and philosophy over the years. Among our tens of thousands of listeners, I can't imagine there's anyone who hasn't heard of you or at least read one of your many great books. 
And well, thank you for that. Well, <laughs> well, I don't know. I would put the bet. I would take the odds on that. But you've clearly inspired a lot of people over the years. So let me begin by asking, aside from your rich dad, who was it that inspired you most over the years? Well, I've had a lot of people inspire me. I've been very, very fortunate. Like Trump and I wrote two books together. I know a lot of people don't like him, especially in California. But he's a very good man. He says things he shouldn't say or doesn't need to say. But I've really learned a lot working with him. And it was more how he handles himself and things like this. So we can all learn something from everybody. I'm coming up with a, my latest book is called Fake. And I'm asked that question a lot, who inspires you? And although I didn't do well in school, I didn't do well in Sunday school either. I did learn a lot in Sunday school. And one of the lessons I learned in Sunday school was my teacher, I was about 10 years old again. And the teacher asked for a little class. She says, what made the wise men wise, the three wise men wise? And I said, oh, they were rich. You know, they had frankincense, gold, and myrrh. And she goes, no, that wasn't it. So nobody had the answer. So finally, she said to our little class, she says, what made them wise was the three wise men always sought great teachers. And I've held that all my life. I said, my job is not to sit in class and listen to some school teacher who's getting paid. How much they make? 100000 a year or something today? I don't know how much they make. But they're going to tell me about life and money. I'm going, I don't want to learn from them. And I was a punky little kid growing up in Hawaii. And so that's when I went in search of, my poor dad's a great guy, PhD from Stanford, University of Chicago, Northwestern. But he knew nothing about money. So when my teacher said to me, he says, what made the wise men wise? And basically, well, they went in search of great teachers. I said, I better go search my own teachers. And so that's one of the lessons I pass out to young people like you. I said, be very careful who you seek information from. I mean, your mind is too precious to be polluted. <laughs> so I constantly seek out great teachers. I have my own little radio program, Rich Dad Radio, and I get to talk to some of the smartest guys on planet Earth. And it's so great talking to people that you want to learn from. Like I have Jim Records, you know, The Road to Ruin and Currency Wars. And I interview him about two or three times a year. I learned so much talking to him. And then this Friday, I'm going to interview General McChrystal, Stanley McChrystal. I'm going to, he's written a book on leadership. And as you know, being an entrepreneur is all about leadership of people. So I can't wait to interview him. So I highly suggest for young people to be very proactive on who you seek out to learn from. Choose your teachers wisely. And I know most school teachers are good people, but I never, I've only met two or three I really wanted to learn from, if you understand what I'm saying. Only two or three inspired me. The rest of them kind of always punished me for being stupid. <laughs> so that didn't inspire Yeah, there's a lot of truth in that. And they say that standing on the shoulders of giants allows you to see much further. So the people you surround yourself with is critically important. And then the flip side of that is if you have poor teachers and poor mentors, it's almost like the blind leading the blind. It's not going to get you much further. In fact, it could probably get you into trouble. But one thing that really impresses me about you, and I can say this from my own experience, is when we were on our cruise last year, you were always in the room taking notes, listening to other people and learning from others. You're a, a lifelong perpetual student, and that's just an amazing skill to have. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I do choose my teachers wisely. There are some people, as you know, on the 
And this is the Rich Dad Real Estate Guys Cruise. I mean, the Real Estate Guys Cruise, and I've been going on it for years now. And they have great speakers, as you know. So that's why I go on it. I don't go to speak. I go to listen. <laughs> and that's one of the best things about my life today is I got invited to these conferences. And I go to them to be a student. I don't go to be a teacher. Like they had the New Orleans Investment Conference. And I go there and I listen to great, great, really smart people from all walks of life. And that's how you learn. Or you can go to school and listen to somebody who's never, you know, I have a friend who's teaching the MBA program. I know him personally. The guy has never made a dime in his life and he's, he's never had a company. And I ask him, I say, hey, Doug, how can you teach kids to be entrepreneurs when you've never started a company? He goes, but I have an MBA. And I go, but you haven't done anything. <laughs> and we don't talk to each other anymore. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. He's a California teacher, as you know. <laughs> yeah, no surprise, but we'll leave that alone. You don't have to know anything to teach in California. <laughs> That's funny. Are you on track to achieve your financial goals? Income-producing real estate is the most historically proven way to accumulate wealth and has created more financial freedom than any other means. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best turnkey cash flow rental properties. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly income. Get your free strategy session with our knowledgeable investment counselors at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. So, Robert, many of my listeners know that I homeschool my daughter. And about five years ago, you released a great book titled Why A Students Work for C Students and Why B Students Work for the Government. And it's funny to be talking about this after last night's State of the Union address. But I guess my first question there is, do you think our educational system is completely a bust? Uh, more than you know. Again, in my book, Fake, I write about the student loan disaster. See, what happened was that this whole, all economy, this problems we face today all go back to one thing. It goes back to 1971 when Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard and the U.S. dollar became fake money and they could print as much as they wanted. And so in 1971, they started printing money and all this, but the school system never changed. It never told anybody what happened. Right. <laughs> so today right. is what happened in 2008 after the, crash of Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns and all those guys went down. I forget that Obama found out that the banks didn't want to lend money anymore to students. So Obama in 2010 opened up the floodgates to any bank who would loan money to students, needy students. And immediately student loan debt went over a trillion dollars. And today, you know, student loan debt is worse it's the worst, worst in credit card debt, worst in mortgages, because you can't ever get, it's hard to get out of them. You can't declare bankruptcy and dispense of the loan. So what happened in 2010, because of the crash of 2008, we now have millions of kids who are chasing the dream. If I go to school, I get a high paying job and they're not going to get one, you know, because artificial intelligence is only a couple of ways, years away. That's right. And that's about that's going to replace more jobs in China. So anyway, and then these kids leave school crushed by student loan debt. So that's what I mean. Ed education has now become criminal. There's an office building right next to me. It is bigger than my building. And what do they do? They sell student loan debt. They've made fortunes, fortunes. I'm looking at these guys and I'm going, holy mackerel, I don't know how you can sleep at night. But 
you have a lot. And so subprime debt was for poor homeowners and subprime education is for poor students. Student loan debt is for poor students. It's a tragedy what's going on. I feel terrible about it. Yeah, I think it's a tragedy too. And really, if you look at schools and what they're doing, I think they're trying to just simply educate people to get a job, not to create entrepreneurs or people who have creative minds to create more jobs and stimulate and grow the economy. Would you agree with that? Well, most school teachers, I don't mean this negatively, but most of them are socialists, communists, or fascists. You know, and it's a free country. You can be whatever you like. But now I have an AOC, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. I have a hard time with that name for some reason. Beautiful young woman, very smart. But they want to tax the rich, and they want free education, free this, free that. I don't know how we're going to pay for it. But I don't think it makes any difference simply because they want to tax the rich. But the richest, if you're really rich, you're smart enough not to pay taxes, as you know. So I think that really smoking some weed out there, they don't know what they're talking about. Like Elizabeth Warren, she's a nice woman, I'm sure, very smart. But she's a hardcore socialist. And nothing wrong with that. My father was a socialist. But they think that you give people things, you make them happy. So you give people fish, whereas a capitalist believes in teaching people to fish. So you and I believe in teaching people to fish, and they believe in giving people fish. That's a free country. You can't keep giving people fish and expect the economy not to collapse. No, that well eventually runs dry. It's like Margaret Thatcher said long ago, socialism works until you run out of other people's money. Correct. Very profound statement. But these guys like Kamala Harris, I think she's California too, right? They're going to win because everybody wants the free lunch. I like free lunches. Don't get me wrong. But somebody's going to pay for it. And generally, the people that pay for it are the poor and middle class, not the rich. That's what they don't know. So at the core of it, why do C students end up working for A students? Well, because we've got no choice. <laughs> I was a straight C student, and I'm not very smart academically. So everything I do goes against the A student. In other words, one of the silliest things they tell you to do is not make mistakes. Well, how do you learn something if you don't make a mistake? How do you learn to walk if you don't fall down? So these A students, you know, they sit there, they know all the right answers, but they're afraid of falling down because they're afraid of making mistakes. And the second thing that happens with A students is they think if you ask for help, you're cheating. You know, asking for help is helping, giving people help and need. So you interviewed my advisors, Garrett Sutton, Tom Wright, Ken McElroy. That's my team. So a school, an A student would say, well, you're cheating. So why? So because you have good advisors. Okay, I'm cheating. The only reason I have good advisors is because I'm stupid. <laughs> Best advice. Whereas the A student has, like my poor dad, they have to know everything. And they, nobody can know everything. You know, my poor dad knew nothing about business, he knew nothing about finance, real estate, taxes, debt, people. He didn't know anything. But he was an A student. Straight A's all the way through school. Stanford, University of Chicago, Northwestern, PhD. But they don't know anything because asking for help is cheating. I cheat like a wild man. I have Tom Wheelwright helps me on my taxes, Garrett Sutton on the law, Ken McElroy on debt. You know, Ken, Tom Wheelwright, Garrett, and I have made millions and millions and millions of dollars because we cheat. <laughs> sure. And they're all very smart people and very nice people. In fact, I just emailed Tom this morning. The problem with the school system is this. We load up on academic education, but we sorely lack on financial education. And that's the piece that we don't have and that we're missing. Well, they can't teach what they don't know. I mean, that's the biggest problem. You know, in the back cover of my latest book, Fate, coming out soon, I hope, it says, what does school teach you about money? 
what do your teachers know about money? What do our leaders know about money? And then we wonder why we have financial problems. <laughs> then we wonder why the gap between rich and poor are getting so wide that it's going to probably lead to social unrest. People are so rich right now when it's not the rich to the problems, the school system's the problem. Sure. No, I agree. So you have your new book coming out soon. It's coming out in April, and I'm very excited about that. It's called Fake, Fake Money, Fake Teachers, Fake Assets, How Lies Are Making the Poor Middle Class Poor. What a great title that is. It's great timing with all the talk, especially today with all the talk about fake news over the last two years, because we're constantly bombarded with tons of news, information, and opinions today. So that begs the question, how does one differentiate between what's real today and what isn't? The best way is get educated yourself so you can smell BS, if you know what I mean. Like when somebody tells me I should save money, you know, I know they don't know what they're talking about, but why would you save money when the government's printing trillions of dollars? Why would you save money when the whole banking system is based on a fractional reserve system? So fractional reserve system is you put $100 in the bank, the bank immediately lends out 90 of it. That means the value of your $100 just went down by 10%. Oh, but I went to college. Well, savers are the biggest losers. Look at what happened after 2008. People who were saving money got hammered. I mean, today, for the first time in thousands of years, their banks started charging you money to save money, called negative interest rates. Japan, Sweden, and a couple of other countries are still doing it. Why would you save money when the banks are going to charge you money to save money? It's so stupid, but people... Well, it just goes back to your saying that savers are losers. I mean, you don't mean that in a derogatory manner. It's it's just a fact. If you're saving, you're losing money because inflation is eroding anything you're making in the bank. Correct. And what happened was the Fed just came out yesterday or two days ago, yesterday, and they said in 2008, they should have gone to negative interest rates and they would have stopped the crash earlier. But if they had taken down below negative interest rates, they would have wiped out every middle-class person on planet in America to save the rich who caused the crash. Right. <laughs> it's criminal what's happening. You know, I mean, those guys at Lehman Brothers, Burst, Turns, Goldman Sachs, they should be in jail. But we don't put them in jail. We pay them bonuses. There's something really sick in America, man. Yeah. One of the beliefs that you have that you talk about in fake is that creating a secure financial future starts with taking action and taking control. And I say, I believe that it starts with self-education. Are we really saying the same thing there? Or are you talking about something different? Well, what I say is there's a million ways to go to financial heaven and a billion ways to go to financial hell. So well, all I say is find the way that you go to financial heaven. You know, if it goes to school and investing in mutual funds is your way to financial hell, heaven, well, do it. But with me and you, and I just like real estate and I like being an entrepreneur. I don't want a job. So to, if I had a job, it would be financial hell. So it's just a matter of choices. It's a free country. I think what's tragic is, you know, I watched the State of the Union or the State of Depression last night. And it was interesting to watch guys like Bernie Sanders, who's a good man. He was crying when Trump was talking, talking about, you know, I don't know what Trump was talking about, but they hate him so much. <laughs> And you know, if politics wasn't so serious, it would be a comedy show. It would be a reality show. Well, I call it political theater. To me, it's just an excuse to grab a bucket of popcorn and watch it on TV. Yeah, if it wasn't so serious and we weren't in such, you know, Trump never mentioned the acceleration of debt. The economy, the government, and Wall Street and the people are floating on debt. 
And I love debt, as you know, but debt has got to be paid back somehow. Right. I don't know how we're going to pay back this debt. We're going to be going, a, a, was it a, a trillion dollar deficit pretty soon? Yes. And we're already 21 trillion national debt. And how are we going to pay that back? I don't know. I don't even know if it's possible. It just comes down to the whole thing of good debt versus bad debt. Good debt creates income. Bad debt is something that is spent and doesn't produce anything. And that's what the government loads up on is is bad debt. And I don't know if it ever could be repaid. Yeah, it's worse than that. As I cover in uh, fake, the biggest problem is socialism. I'm not against giving people money, but entitlements are automatically funded. You and I as voters cannot stop entitlements. So that means the poorer people get, the greater the entitlements will grow, and we can't stop it. So we have deficits, we have entitlements, and we have the accruing national debt, and we have a school system that still continues to teach people about money. So that's why I wrote fake. You know, there's ways to get out of it. You know, that's why I'd rather have gold and silver coins than cash right now. Now, cash will be the crash comes, which is true. But you better know what to do with that cash because there's a lot of cash out there right now. Nobody knows what to do with it. So I'd rather have gold and silver. I've been in fake. I read about it. I've been saving gold and silver since 1973. So I have a lot of gold and silver. It hasn't hurt me at all. No, I wholeheartedly agree. Something you said is a perfect segue to something I want to ask. And that is this. It's one of the most profound things I've ever heard you say is, The more a person seeks security, the more that person gives up control over his life. Can you explain what that means for those hearing that for the first time? Well, as the Japanese call social security, they call it, ah, social security. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. (laughs) I'm being cruel right now, but I know people actually counting on it. (laughs) It's a scary thought. I mean, it's going to be there, but it's not going to be much there. And so how much control have you had over your life if you can't, you don't have any money to eat and walk around with? Or you want job security and artificial intelligence hasn't kicked in yet. So when artificial intelligence kicks in, artificial intelligence is going to take more jobs than China has. So oh, i got job security. Well, you better work for the government because that's the only people that might have job security. It's just such a silly idea. So anyway, you know, when I was in Vietnam, they gave us what we call, when we were flying into country, they gave us what we call bullet bouncers or those bulletproof vests. And so I strapped that thing on. I think I'm protected. <laughs> and then I saw what happens when a real bullet hits one of those things. There's, you have no protection at all. There's no security. MC Lobsher from Producers Wealth has helped his clients find money they didn't even know they had and showed them how to use it to save and invest in real estate at the same time through the infinite banking concept. You can watch a free webinar on the strategy and download a free cash flow audit guide to find the money you already have but are unknowingly losing every day at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Check it out today. Most people think of security as social security or simply just being debt-free by a certain age. That's all well and fine, but the whole thing of relying on social security is actually quite depressing, knowing that odds are probably stacked heavily against you that you'll ever get anything like a pension or social security. So what's one to do? I mean, how, what path does someone take to take control over their life? That's a million-dollar question there, Marco, because, you see, money... This is the wild card. Money is an emotional subject. 
So the question is, how can these guys who are millionaires, like these football players who make millions of dollars, be bankrupt five years later? It's not money. It's you can't control yourself. And if you can't control your emotions, which is called emotional intelligence, then you're screwed anyway. So I know people, as soon as they get a check, they spend it. They go shopping, doing all that. And I love shopping. Don't get me wrong. You know, I drive Ferraris and Rolls Royces and things like this. But I do have financial education, so I buy an apartment house, and my apartment house buys my Ferrari. So I don't pay for my Ferrari. My tenants pay for my Ferrari. So I'm not one of these live bull you means and save money guy. I really believe in financial education. You can have anything you want. So that's what I kind of cover in fake. I cover infinite returns. You don't need money to make money. And all these things. But if the person's brain is wired to their emotions, they really can't think anyway. So we've all seen it, you know, I mean, I've had more people, couples fight about money and all this. It's not a sane, what I'm trying to say, money is not a sane subject. There's no logic to it. That's what makes money really a difficult subject to teach and learn. Well, I think it comes down to two things. You've got financial education, but then you also have your self-control because we all like to spend. It's just, it's easy to go overboard with that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, my ego is so big, I can't stand it. You know, my ego gets me in the most trouble of all. (laughs) Like, why do I need a Ferrari and a Rolls Royce? Why do I have all these things? Because my ego is small, so big, because I have such low self-esteem. That's probably the only way that a therapist could explain. No. It's all a game. I like buying nice things, but I buy the asset first, be it the apartment house, or start a business that buys the liability, the Rolls Royce or Ferrari. Yeah. Well, that's called being smart. You can indulge, but just be smart about it. It could be said that the most important person in a financial life is your spouse, but really it's your tax advisor. Most people dread thinking about taxes. I mean, I certainly do. I hate paying taxes. And the first question that most people ask is, how much do I owe? When really they should be asking, how can I legally pay less? So on that note, why are taxes so important to building wealth? Well, because taxes are your single largest expense, rich or poor. And you look at what Elizabeth Warren and AOC and Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, they all want to tax the rich. And what really happens throughout history when they tax the rich, the rich don't pay taxes anyway. And the people that get taxed are the poor middle class. <laughs> That's right. Well, they pay the bulk of it anyway. Well, the rich don't pay. You know, Trump doesn't pay taxes. I don't pay taxes because we all real estate. That's right. That's why you, you have Tom Wheelwright. You know, his book is Tax-Free Wealth. He's my advisor. He's probably the smartest guy I've ever met on taxes. So if you don't want to pay taxes, his book is 25 bucks. You can save a lot of money. But the problem is, even if people buy Tom's book, they still have to do something different. And doing something different is the real problem because people like to do the same old thing. But at least if you buy his book, you'll understand why the rich are paying no taxes. And the poor and middle class will always pay taxes. So Tom is a great example of a good tax advisor. How do you know if you have a good or bad tax advisor? Is there a litmus test that you can use something you can ask. How do you gauge that? If you're paying taxes, you have a bad advisor. Look, you know, a lot of times I talk to advisors and they have no guts. Oh, you better pay taxes. I don't want the government to pay. I don't want the government to come after me. I mean, I've had tax advisors who were volunteering to have me pay taxes. Like I once had an attorney who says, I don't, you don't have a chance of winning. It's like, I'll defend you anyway. So, well, why would you defend me if I have no chance of winning? So you can tell by the person you know, the Mexicans call it cajones. 
So if you have no guts, then you everybody will walk over you like a carpet or a rug. Most people are too lazy to learn. You know, that's what I figure out finally. I get tired. I don't know about you, but I get tired of talking to poor people. And what I mean by poor is that doesn't mean they're not hardworking and good people. But I was talking to this young guy in, uh, where was I? I was in Texas. And he was a builder. So he actually worked as a, he traveled from work site to work site. He could build houses. So I said, why don't you just buy a house and build it and rent it out? No, that's too hard. Yeah, I think it's laziness and a lack of education. I love teaching people. I love talking about finance and real estate, and I love to help people. But the problem is, is that you can't lead a horse to water and make it drink. People may be interested to hear what you have to say, but they may not care enough or be ready to take action and do something about it. So there's only so much you can do. You can only teach the people willing to listen. Right. You know, I've bought like two bedroom, one bath houses when I was first starting out. And then I had to hire a builder to convert them to three bedroom, two bath. But the moment I convert them to three bedroom, two bath, let's say back then it cost me $10,000 for the renovation. It upped my rental income huge. And because I used the value of the building from two bedroom, one bath, three bedroom, two bath. And suddenly I hired depreciation. So I made more money and paid less taxes. Now, if I could do it myself, I would have done it myself. But you don't want me with a hammer because it becomes a weapon. <laughs> I have to hire guys. So when I tell these guys who can use a hammer and saw and paint and all this stuff, they would rather just be hardworking people. So it's, it's kind of a working class mentality I run up against. They're good people. I mean, wrong. But I sit there and I said, you could be the richest guy in town, but you just would rather be working class. Sure. In respect for your time, Robert, I'm just going to ask you one more question here. You differentiate between financial independence and financial freedom. They're not exactly the same thing. What's the difference to you? You know, years ago, I promised my wife, Kim, I said, one day we'd have so much money, we can do anything we want. And then we passed that. I don't know what you call that. I mean, I don't want anything more. I have so much money coming in. I don't want any more money because I can't, I don't have nothing else I can buy. I have everything. So it actually got pretty boring. Where a lot of people talk about, you know, like Dave Ramsey talks about live debt free. Well, that's good too. It's not, not bad advice, but you're still restricted by your budget. I'd rather have so much money I can buy anything I want and still be free. So it's really tough right now because more money keeps pouring in. You know, we went past 7,000 rental units. The money keeps paying, coming in and I pay no taxes. Then I save gold and silver, still pay no taxes. And I own companies, still pay no taxes. And I can't spend the money because I got everything I want. So that's kind of freedom. Like, so why don't you buy a jet? I said, well, because I travel internationally. I don't want to. Like Tony Robbins has a 757 or something. Well, that means it costs like $400,000 to fly him to an event. And I just don't want to charge my promoters $400,000 to fly to go to an event. You know, so I'm kind of respecting my, like, you know, the real estate guys, I don't want to say, well, I can't afford to come to you because you can't afford my airplane. <laughs> sure. No, exactly. So I'm much happier flying commercial because they have better pilots. And today, God help you, you better have the best pilots you can get. Absolutely. So anyway, stuff like that, it's just, I have the money to spend. I just don't want to spend it foolishly. Yeah. I think a lot of it is a means to an end. I mean, we don't buy real estate for the sake of owning real estate or to brag about it. We buy real estate because we want to create financial freedom. But we want financial freedom because we ultimately want time freedom, time to do what we want, when we want, with our family, 
and live life on our own terms. We design our life the way we want it to be. And so for me, it's all about that end goal of having the time, freedom to do what you want. Most people are working class, if you know what I mean. And nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. I love my job. I love the people I work with. I said, well, on vacation. I can't afford it. Okay. That's not my reality, but I don't want to make anybody wrong because that's most of my family. <laughs> the first thing I would say, Robert, the first thing I would say to those people is you're asking the wrong question. Don't say I can't afford it. Ask, how can I afford it? They can't do it. They don't want to do it because they're working class. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's a class structure inside their heads. Right. You know, I'm not class. I'm very lazy. It's more than platitudes and words and affirmations and all that other crap. Sure. What class are you inside your head? Exactly. And our working class, where they went to school to get a job. And we need those people. Get me wrong. But I say this to you and your listeners, because I think you and your listeners want to hear what I say, not what I'm politically correct saying. I'm not politically correct. I'm saying to you, you want to be working class, get a job. I did it. And I cheat. I have the best advisors money can buy. So that's the difference. That's how I play this game of life. So if you want to be working class and living in your $600,000 home and wherever you live, that's just not my games, George. You know, it's just not my game. You want to drive your Toyota Prius, knock yourself out. I look better than my Ferrari. Right. (laughs) Well, people appreciate the straight talk. It's refreshing to have unpolitically correct straight talk than anything else. I got a lot of trouble. I got a lot of hate mail for that. You know, when I talk about the crash coming, I'm now a, a pessimist. I'm going, hey, when the crash comes, I'm going to get rich. What about you? Yeah. Well, you can stick your head in the sand if you want. Yeah. Well, the crash is when you get rich. That's right. So, you know, when I talk about crashes and all this gloom and doom stuff, I get excited. <laughs> Yeah, I do too, because I know there's another wave of great cheap inventory coming. Well, I was offered. There's going to be a lot of it. Anyway, it's just fun. Like I said, it's just a game. And if I was so upset or concerned about my fellow human being, how many people are getting poor and poor and poor, I wouldn't say anything. I'd be like the rest of the rest just making money and not telling anybody what's going on. So, Robert, let's wrap it up. Any final words or advice for our listeners? Well, I would ask them to check out my book, Fake. It's why I really wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's more in-depth, a little bit more sophisticated. It's not for your average reader, but it's about what's really going on in the world. We have fake money. We have fake teachers who know nothing about money. And our Wall Street selling the poor schmoes fake assets. And if you like that, just keep buying. Just keep going to school, getting a job, and investing in the stock market. Agreed. That's it. I agree. I want to play a different game. That's what fake is for. Yeah. So I look forward to spending a week with you again, cruising on the ocean next month. In the meantime, where can our listeners learn more about you and your educational resources? Obviously, richdad.com is one of your sites. Where else can they find more information? Well, they should go on the Real Estate Guys cruise because this time I'd be talking about infinite returns and you don't need money to make money. You don't need money to invest. You're at sea. You can't run away. I can't run away. But if you want to find out how to make money out of nothing, which is alchemy, it's called financial intelligence. Agreed. Well, I'll put all those links in the show notes, Robert. Great stuff as always. I want to thank you for your time today. It's been an honor having you on. Thank you very much. And keep up the good work there, Marco. I appreciate it. Thanks. We'll see you next month. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now.
Are you looking for a roadmap to financial freedom? If so, we have a solution for you. Narada Real Estate is offering a limited number of free strategy sessions to help you get out of the rat race. Learn how you can create wealth and build monthly passive income. To set up a time with one of our knowledgeable investment counselors, simply go to naradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights in media interviews, please contact the host.